This is Finally Free, a podcast for the chronic dieters, disordered eaters, and fitness junkies. For those sick of battling their bodies, sick of fearing food and the number on the scale, sick of punishing exercise, all in the pursuit of diet culture's version of health and wellness. I'm Alana Vandersloos, an eating disorder recovered intuitive eating coach studying to become a certified intuitive eating counselor and the founder of Freedom with Food and Fitness, an online community where I coach women how to become intuitive eaters and incorporate intuitive movement for true health, mind, body, and spirit. On this podcast, you will hear stories of other women on various parts of their journeys, some who are in recovery, those who are recovered, and those who are helping others to do the same. I'll also teach you ways to quiet that incessant voice in your head telling you you're not enough. I'll show you how to find peace and satisfaction with food again, how to embrace the one and only body you have with joyful movement so you can move through this world with peace and confidence. Are you ready to be finally free? Thank you so much for joining me today. But before we get started, I just want to remind you of everything that I offer for those who need help with body image, intuitive eating, fitness, food, weight, and mindset. First, I offer group coaching now. So if you're interested in getting some expert support, some tough targeted love, schedule a free 15-minute discovery call at freedomwithfoodandfitness.com or click the link in my bio on Instagram at freedomwithfoodandfitness. On that same link in my IG bio, I have everything that I offer people. So I have the links to two course videos, which are both under $5 right now. I have free quizzes to assess your relationship with food and exercise, over 45 pages of free intuitive eating and fitness resources that you can sign up for. It takes literally five seconds. I have a form where you can ask your own question for a chance for it to be answered on the podcast. I have a guided meditation and so much more. Seriously, go check it all out at Freedom with Food and Fitness on Instagram. In today's episode, I'm talking to Jen Trevick. Jen is an optimal health coach, podcaster, and business consultant. Jen's mission is to teach the nutrition education we're all supposed to know, but no one ever taught. Jen has been described as a force of nature in the wellness space. She grew up the skinny one in a family of dieters, which was, as she says, awesome, until it went away. And so began her weight management saga. Ultimately, though, Jen learned that nutrition education that we're all supposed to know and no one ever taught us. This completely changed her life and allowed her to say that she, quote unquote, kicked her food issues. From then, Jen set out on a mission to pay it forward and help people help themselves. After over a decade of working with clients, Jen started Salad with a Side of Fries, her podcast. Based on science, yet lighthearted, Jen talks about living life while still making ourselves and our health a priority. Jen and I talk about what willpower actually is in this episode, how it's created, how it's depleted, and how it relates to food cravings and intuitive eating. If you like today's episode and want to check out more of Jen, she's on Instagram at Salad with a Side of Fries Pod, Facebook at Salad with a Side of Fries Podcast, and her website is asaladwithasideoffries.com. I learned so much from Jen through this conversation. She is really a wealth of knowledge and has such a clear and unique way of explaining things that really makes sense of one's relationship with food, which can be, as we know, so complex and so nuanced. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jen. 
Hi, Jen. Welcome to Finally Free. It's really, really nice to have you on. I've been following you on Instagram for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. It's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. So we're just going to dive right in. Um, you were the self-proclaimed skinny one of the family, you said, when you were younger. Right. <laughs> now, was this was this a natural thinness or, was you, or were you dieting already at an early age? Well, so funny you should ask that, right? So I thought it was natural. Okay. I was a dancer. Um, my family around me was always on a diet, you know, which is why I joke that I was like the skinny one in a family of dieters. But really what was happening is that I was on a diet my whole life and I didn't realize it, right. you know, and being a dancer, like you're so aware of your body and where your body is in space and all that kind of stuff that, um, I think I had a different level of awareness than a lot of people about it too. Sure. So when, when would you say it started for you dieting, even though it was unintentional when you were younger, when do you think those habits started to form? So for myself, it was really college, right? When I started to gain weight and I was like, okay, I know what to do. I watched my family do this. Right. Right. Um, I think that before that, it was just like, I ate a lot of vegetables as a kid. Like we ate for the most part, really healthy things, but like, I didn't grow up eating much salt or, um, tons of fat or right. Cause it was also like the eighties of all the fad diets and it, the fad diets of the eighties were all like fat-free, sugar-free. Right. So like we had a refrigerator that was entirely soda and diet soda, because at the time that's what we were told was okay. Right. And, um, and then, you know, snack wells and all the, you know, all the guilt was <laughs> like the guilt-free devil's food. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So like, I suppose all those things certainly started earlier but my awareness of choosing those foods intentionally, okay. as opposed to just because that's what was there. Right. You so, know what so, I mean? So when you were, when you were a kid and you were living with your parents, it was almost like you were unintentionally dieting by proxy, right? Whatever they were eating, you were eating. Right. So what other than, you know, lots of fat-free, sugar-free, low carb diet soda in the fridge. What right. other behaviors did you see from family members? And two part question, what, what behaviors did you see? And what did you think about them? Did you kind of just think that was normal or did you question any of it? I mean, there was definitely a lot of, um, it wasn't so much crash dieting, right? But there was definitely the yo-yo. I saw the yo-yo and every time trying a different thing, right? This time there are shakes and that time it's, you know, the prepared foods. Like there were times where I would come home from school and eat my dad's like Nutrisystem snacks because it looked good. Right. Like, okay, it happens to be, you know, less calories or whatever, you know, the traditional food would be. But so I, the biggest behavior that I observed was the yo-yo and the on off, sure. right? That it was, I'm on this diet. I'm not on that one. I'm, you know, I got to get back or, you know, or it's like this crazy indulgent meal and, you know, we're off. I gotta, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, I remember 
there was a photo of a man's torso on my dad's mirror in his bathroom and on the refrigerator door. As like, you know, inspiration. Yeah. Right. Right. Like the, the thing of like, oh, let me, you know, shame you into not opening the refrigerator door kind of a thing, you know, (laughs) um, you know, like you want this, don't open the fridge. Right. But, um, and I remember as a kid sort of looking at it and like laughing, but now as I look back, it was really formative. Oh yeah, for sure. Did you, did you find yourself when you got to college, did you ever do that type of like visual inspiration? No. Okay. I didn't actually. Um, I don't know if it's because in college, like I always lived with other people. And so it was very much a me thing that I didn't necessarily share with other people. Sure. Um, but that wasn't really it, but like you know, in college, I would, oh, I remember freshman year being in the dorms and eating and like going to the cafeteria and like being aware. Right. And I was like, okay, broccoli, right. Like I'm having a salad and then they had like cooked broccoli. And I remember looking at the thing and it said it had like over a thousand calories. And I'm like, what did you do to the broccoli? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> I'm like, like, I don't understand. Well, that's, you know, it's really funny you say that because when I've gone to, to like Cheesecake Factory, for example, and they have the menu that has the calories on it and they have something on the menu for dessert that's like, it's supposed to be the sensible option. And it's a bowl of strawberries with whipped cream on top, but somehow it's like 300 calories. It's like the same thing. It's like, what have you done? Right. I don't understand. This does not compute in my brain. Right. <laughs> Totally. So now, so that was your childhood and, and no one, no one forced you to die. You just kind of, no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so now you said your body changed, you know, you were, you were the naturally thin one until you weren't. So can you talk a little bit about, about when that was and what happened? Yeah. So it was very much going from high school to college. Mm -hmm. So it was a combination of, I, I think around that same time I went on birth control Um, I stopped dancing six days a week, you know, my life completely changed. It wasn't, you know, active in the same way. My food was different, right. Living in the dorms. And it wasn't like, I didn't know how to choose quality food, but it was like the broccoli that has 1100 calories. You know what I mean? That does not make any sense. Um, and so then I remember one point freshman year, maybe it was like second semester freshman year, like committing to like going to the gym, you know, but even still it was like, okay, it helped a little bit, but it didn't, I don't know. It was also like stress eating. I mean, we can all stress eat like even before college. Right. But it was, I don't know. It became part of this routine to eat this junk at night and, um, you know, snowball. <laughs> yeah. So then, and then I would try some diet. I always interned in, I went to the university of Michigan. I always, um, interned in New York in the summers. So I would come to New York for the summers. I'd have a job, you know, eat out three meals a day, work out every day, gain weight, go back to college in the fall, try some diet, lose some of it, not all of it. Then I'm back to New York in the summer. And it was that, you know, yo-yo piece. And I think, you know, I remember it was, 
going into my senior year of college and I was in the business school. And so we had all these professional events. So I'm shopping with my mom and my sister, um, for like business professional and business casual clothing, right. That I was going to need for school. And I was in the store. Now, when I was a kid growing up, shopping was like the thing we did with my mom. And I was a kid where everything looked good. I had to like weed out to decide what I was going to get. Right. So now, (laughs) however many years later, I'm in this department store, nothing looks good on me. And then finally something fit. And I saw what size it was. And I just started crying in the dressing room with my mom and my sister, because again, it wasn't even so much. It was like this contrast in my life from being the kid where everything looked good to not being able to find anything. And then finally something looks good. And it's like, I don't even know who this body is or, you know, especially again, like being a dancer and having that background. Yeah. You and know, it creates kind of like an identity crisis because that's, that's a lot of shifts. You're having a shift in, you know, where you're living, you know, home versus college. It's, you know, this independence and now you're in a body that you don't even recognize. And it's just, it's a lot. Right. It's a lot. Right. And I think, um, you know, I forget where I, I think it was in Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush's intuitive eating book that I'm, I'm going through now. I'm, I'm studying to become a, a certified intuitive eating counselor. And I'm really, really excited. Yeah. I, and I think it was something like a lot of, you know, eating disorder behaviors and eating disorders are developed during major life shifts because we yep. don't know how to cope with this loss of control. Yeah. Which is something that I experienced and why I had my eating disorder. That's a whole another story. But yeah. Um, you said that, you know, when you went to, when you went to intern in, in New York in the summers, you would, you know, just kind of be eating out a lot and, and whatever, and just kind of living life. And then when you went back to college, you would be on diets. What type of disordered behaviors or diets or diety diet culture type things did you do? Like, what were your behaviors? Um, I mean, I tried one with my mom through a hospital that was like bars or shakes and then one meal Mm -hmm. that really screwed up my metabolism. Um, Weight Watchers a bunch of times where, you know, it's like, how can I get the most for the least amount of calories, Mm -hmm. right? The most volume. Yeah. Right. Um, what else did I, I mean, I gained weight on South beach, um, you know, but it was all of the, okay, here's a book, here's a plan go and trying to do all these things and figure that out. And it doesn't really, (laughs) it's not really, you know, what it's all about. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I remember again, I think this was like a Weight Watchers thing. The, um, jelly bellies, like the mini Mm -hmm. jelly bean, you know, I used to get like the Costco thing and I'd come home from class and like scoop out the number that, you know, was like, I want to say it was like 30 or something. Right. Which was like, Oh, great. I can have 30 and like eating these things. Like, I don't even like those, (laughs) but because you could have them, you know? So it was very much like, okay, here are the rules. And then I'm going to like find the way through it. Yeah. 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 And then when you, when you 
inevitably can't stick to it, you feel like a failure because you're like, oh, but this plan was so like expertly laid out. No. So, so you were talking also later about how, um, there are things that you wish you knew that you were never taught and you wished other people knew that you believe they're never taught. What, what are those things? What did you mean by that? So it's a lot, (laughs) right. But at the jump, right. It is very chemical. Like we are taught that this is the plan we're supposed to follow it. And if you can't, you failed. Right. Right. But really the diets have all failed you. Mm-hmm. Right. They're not designed to be long-term the way they, um, have the body function we lose weight for a short amount of time, right? And then the scale stops moving. And that's because when we lose the weight, we're losing it as water, muscle, and sometimes bone. Right. And then we go back to old eating habits because we're frustrated that the scale's not moving, right? And we now are gaining the weight back. We're eating extra fuel. We have less muscle on our body to be burning that extra fuel. We gain the weight back as fat. So in this typical plan, we lose the weight as water and muscle, gain it back as fat, lose it as water and muscle, gain it back as fat. So even if we end up at the same numbers we were before by body composition, we're actually fatter at the same number. And there are hormones, right? So that control or monitor or, you know, signal hunger and satiety. So Leptin tells us when we're full. Ghrelin tells us when we're hungry. And the same way that we can become insulin resistant, right? Insulin's a hormone. We know insulin resistance to be diabetes. We can become resistant to leptin and ghrelin. We can become resistant to the hormones that tell us when we're hungry and when we're satisfied. So it is chemical when we feel like once we start eating, we can't stop. It's chemical that we don't eat all day and then we're ravenous, you know, it's chemical. And the idea that we're going to like white knuckle it and overpower the biological chemistry is really just setting us up. Right. Right. And, and, and it, it becomes the cycle of it sets us up. We fail, we feel horrible about ourselves we seek to improve ourselves through the ways that diet culture tells us we need to improve ourselves. So we go on right. another diet and on and on and on. Right. Um, yeah. And I like to say, you know, I feel like in this society, we've deemed being hungry as our body, like sabotaging our weight loss goals. Right. And it's, just being like, it's like not this it's- evil thing. Well, it's, it's one of two things. It is either sabotaging us or it is an absolute emergency. Everything else must stop. Yes. And I'm just going to eat everything because I haven't eaten anything right. all day long. Like I never, I never buy it when people are like, oh, I forgot to eat. I was, I was too busy. I was like, you're never too busy to eat. I will do what I have to do with food in my hand if necessary. <laughs> right. But it is possible, right? That when our brain is focused on other things and we have a bit of leptin ghrelin resistance that we're not responding, we're not noticing. Right. And especially when, and I really believe like with diet culture and everything else, we have taught ourselves out of paying attention to our body signals. Mm-hmm. 
right? Yeah, and so that now we, we they, right. here's the plan. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm supposed to eat less, <laughs> right? So um, we have the situation of, I feel the hunger, but I was told to eat less. So I'm going to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that leads to a lot of, you know, that can even lead to some ghrelin resistance and insensitivity. Yeah. I, I have a lot of people that, that tell me they don't feel hungry anymore. Like they don't mm-hmm. know what that feels like. And that's after, you know, chronic restriction and that's something you need to get back. And that's a whole nother story, but it, but it is true. Like there comes a point where you just, you, you don't know how to trust your body because you haven't. In right. So long. Right. And there's a piece of that too, which because it's very chemical and especially if you're never feeling hungry anymore, it's possible that your body's not producing ghrelin to tell you when you're hungry because you stopped responding to it. Right. <laughs> right. So there's a lot that we can actually do through nutrition and supplementation to make our way back and to get back to proper metabolic health and function. And I think, um, you know, I'm a big fan of intuitive eating as I know you are, but I also think there's a process Yeah, oh, and yeah. we have to, and the, I, I think, I also think that intuitive eating has become the latest fad diet and there's a lot of, um, hesitation around that. And then we can't trust our body and how do we get to that place? And it's a process. And the first piece is looking at the chemical side and looking at what's happening so that we can then evolve into, um, you know, being able to pay attention to our body signals and relearning what those feel like. Right. And, and that's why I really love intuitive eating is there's so much nuance to it in a way that a diet wouldn't like, for example, we would never say that someone should be on a, on a meal plan maybe, but if you're somebody who had, you know, chronic anorexia and and you don't have hunger signals, you kind of need to maybe perhaps be put on a kind of a timed nutrition, just so you can get the sustenance that you need to get your weight back up. And that's something we can take away later on. But, you know, sometimes there are these intermediate steps that need to be taken. And, you know, what you said about it becoming a new fad diet, I think some people want to turn it into the hunger and fullness diet, like, like Caroline Dooner of the, of the Mm -hmm. diet says that, you know, intuitive eating isn't only eating when you're like ravenously hungry. And then you know, stopping when you're just like a teensy bit full, <laughs> like it doesn't right. be that way. Right. Well, and, but even learning to pay attention to what that feels like and to know when you're a little bit full, that's the piece where I think people can get really uncomfortable with it because we have to relearn what that looks like, what that feels like, what, you know, what creates that even. Right. And by the way, you know, speaking of the chemical side of things, it's, um, there are chemicals in foods that turn off our ability to know when we're full. Mm-hmm. So again, like it's, it's so many more pieces than everybody wants to tell us it is. Sure. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I get, yeah. It's so nuanced. And so because there's this chemical component, both within our own bodies and the food that we eat and, 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 and this, this genetic component, you say that, you know, it's, it's not a question of willpower. Weight isn't a question of willpower. Is this why? It's a piece of it. Okay. Right. So willpower turns out willpower is also very chemical. 
And especially when it comes to willpower and managing our weight, it's sort of a catch 22, because what we see is that willpower is directly connected to blood sugar. And so we think, (laughs) right? Like if we don't have enough blood sugar, if our blood sugar is too low, we have no willpower. So we have to eat to have willpower, but we're trying to use our willpower to not eat. Ah, okay. Right. So that can't work (laughs) right on some level. We have to make sure we're putting some building blocks in place. And so what we see, um, you know, and then the other thing is a lot of times with willpower, we're trying to use our willpower for the choices, right. That we end up in a challenging situation and we're going to like white knuckle it and, you know, eat the fruit dessert. Um, (laughs) you know, But the truth is what we see in studies is that the proper use of willpower is in the habit, using willpower to create the habit and the routine. And that's what gets us through the challenging situations, not the willpower, because the willpower is so chemical and tied to the insulin and the blood sugar that if we're trying to use the willpower in those challenging situations, it doesn't work. Right. right. It's it's an inappropriate use of willpower because the other thing is we have to, I describe willpower sort of think like, you know, you have a cup of water, you have one cup of water and there are certain things that take water out and certain things that put water back in, but there is only one cup of willpower water. So everything in our lives requires that single cup of willpower water. So if we have a challenging day at work, if we're trying to hold our composure when someone is coming at us, your willpower water cup, it's empty. The idea that you're going to have any left for that food choice, you don't, you don't suck. You didn't fail. It's chemical. Right. Right. Like willpower is a finite resource insofar as it can be depleted, but it can be replenished, right? It's a refillable cup, but it's not like we have the willpower cup for the diet and the willpower cup for work and the willpower cup for our friends and the willpower cup for our family. It's a cup. Right. And so the more we need it, the more we rely on it, the more we use it. And if we don't refill it and then we go to eat lunch or we go out to dinner with friends or we go for happy hour, of course it's hard. Yeah. You don't suck. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like, well, yeah, I, and that's, and that's such, that's such a hard thing to tell people is this is not like a you problem. Like you didn't, it wasn't because you were lacking something. It's because you don't have the correct, you know, routines in place and you're not practicing self-care as a way to, you know, replenish the cup. But speaking of which, how, how can we replenish the cup? What are some strategies? So first and foremost, eating nutrition mm-hmm. replenishes the cup. Um, finding those moments, right? Like you said, self-care, which also I feel like sort of comes with an eye roll these days, right? So, but is it for you just going for a walk around the block? You know, um, is it calling a friend or is it sitting in silence? You know, um, listen to some music, do something, exercise is a huge way 
of replenishing that willpower cup. Um, you know, but it's so individual in a lot of ways, but it's also very much, um, to some degree counterintuitive because a lot of the things that we're trying to willpower our way through either into or out of is exactly what we need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the exercise. Yeah. Right. Like the exercise or the food or whatever it is. Right. And realize too. So if we choose foods that are high glycemic, right. Where it gives us this spike in blood sugar, we have a moment of willpower following that, right? So for example, like, I don't know why this is coming to me, but if you eat an ice cream sandwich, <laughs> right? And we crash, right? We have a blood sugar spike and then we crash. And it's like, maybe you can't keep your eyes open and you have stuff to do, right? So now you're like, oh, I got to do these things. And we're trying to willpower our way either into doing the thing or eating the next thing to give us the energy. But that spike and drop has created the cravings. That spike and drop has created this willpower challenge, right? So choosing quality nutrition that gives us protein and fiber and quality fat and the fuel that gives us sustained energy also gives us better sustained willpower. Okay. Because so, our blood sugar is balanced. Okay. So, so basically in order to keep the cup, the cup full and to keep our, our willpower up, we should be choosing mostly nutrient dense foods to keep our blood sugar level so that we're not searching right. for the next high. Right. And having those moments, right? Like listening to music, going for a walk, your exercise, what are the things that help replenish you? Right. Right. For you to feel like a human again <laughs> exactly. and to keep moving forward. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a word again, right? There's a lot of nuance to it. It's very individual, but there are also pieces of it. And then to say, okay, where am I using my willpower? How can I use my willpower more effectively? So again, instead of the willpower being don't eat at night, don't eat at night, don't eat at night, right? <laughs> it's what's my evening routine? Let me use my willpower to create the evening routine that has me going to bed at the same time, that has me waking up at the same time. Yes. So the use of our willpower and where that energy goes becomes really important too. And sort of considering, right? How is this all fitting together? How am I playing this out. And I think one of the biggest challenges is when we get a set of rules, whatever they are, right? When we get these guidelines, we're trying to use our willpower to follow the guidelines. Right. Rather, we want to use our willpower to create system and structure and habit and routine. And then that means that we have willpower left for those special situations. Right. Which I guess, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, we could kind of say following a diet and following somebody else's external structure is to our detriment because we're spending our willpower trying to adhere to this external structure instead of our own structure that we've created for ourselves that works for us. I think it's grayer than that. 
Okay. Because I think it depends what that external structure is. Because theoretically, even what we're saying is external structure. Right. Right. So I think it depends what that external structure is. And if that's designed to support the whole thing, you know what I mean? And then once we sort of have those foundations, right, then we can get into, well, for me, right, the first time I'm hungry in a day or for me, I might not be super hungry, but I got to get something in before my work starts or I'm going to be a jerk. You know, like, (laughs) like learning what it looks like for us along the way is different than trying to start with that and willpower and like gut it out. Right. All right. All right. We're all right. I can't believe we're already done our last question, but we are. Um, So I asked this of everybody, um, since the podcast is called Finally Free, what does it mean to you to be finally free? Um. So I have two answers for this. (laughs) One is, you know, in the food world, right? Like I always say, you know, I kicked my food issues. And so free is, I'm not controlled by food, food choices, um, or what that requires of me in a day. I can actually use my mental capacity for things that are really important. (laughs) Um, And then the other side is, you know, I built my wellness business on the side for 12 years and worked full-time in hedge funds and where, you know, I was really on call 24 seven. And so the other side of free is like time and choice and dignity and the freedom to design every day, (laughs) what I want it to look like. And listen, if I'm still super busy, (laughs) right? Like I still have a lot going on, but it's by choice and I'm doing it for me. And that is a freedom that I wish for everybody. That's amazing. And that's inspirational for me personally, because I'm also doing this on the side and I've, I teach high school English on the side or my full-time job. And this is on the side. It's hard. It's hard to juggle both. Yeah. But, um, it's, you know, it's good to see the success that you've had with it. And well, if thank people, you. If people want to find you, um, I'm going to put it in the show notes, but if you want to say it out, just the places people can find you. Yeah, for sure. So all social media, I'm at Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. And my podcast is Salad with a Side of Fries. So look us up all the podcast listening platforms. You'll find me there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. Thank you. So that is it for today's episode. Seriously, of all the podcasts you can be listening to, I'm so honored that you took the time to listen to mine. I'm also so proud of you for taking this small step forward toward food and body freedom. If you like what you hear and you want to work with me as your coach, go to freedomwithfoodandfitness.com to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call. That way I can hear your specific needs and set up a game plan for your success. I would also be so, so grateful if you could subscribe, follow, rate, and review this podcast so many more people who need help with dieting, body image, disordered eating, and fitness can find our message of freedom. Until next time.